Welcome to the Tokyo Citadel Builders Podcast. This show is hosted by three Christian Bitcoin maximalists in Tokyo. We agree on very little except that Bitcoin is money and a tool we can use to help us build a better future. We discuss current topics in Japan and Bitcoin and how our lives are impacted by the growing Bitcoinization of the world. We interview builders on Bitcoin to learn about how Bitcoin can help us push back against government encroachment, enable us to retain financial sovereignty, and empower us to secure ourselves against corporate and government surveillance. Sat by sat, we are building a Bitcoin economy in Tokyo and connecting ourselves to citadels throughout the world. This show is hosted by We Three Gentlemen, Doomer Dash, Meta Mike, and me, Andy. We are a value for value podcast, so if you've enjoyed the show, hit us up with a thousand sat boost on Fountain or show us some love on our TokyoCitadel.com website. Connect with us on Twitter and Noster at Tokyo Citadel. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to see you guys again. The beautiful sunny morning here in Tokyo. Mike is somewhere else in the world, traveling, not with us here, which is sad, but we record nevertheless. Dash, Mike, how you guys doing? More than Andy, doing well, doing well thank you. I'm doing well, thanks. Yep, we got uh, a lot going on. The, uh, the, in, at the end of the show, there was uh, a good brother, man like Quex, good Bitcoiner down in Africa, made us a song, little Citadel Anthem, which we'll start adding in to uh, spice up the uh, the recording a little bit. Good song. Nice track. Thank you, brother. Um, a lot of stuff going on. We'll talk about some of that today. And to start us off, Dash, what's going on in Japan? Thanks, Andy. So um, we're going to be talking about Japan in the main segment. And so for the Japan news segment, I'm going to keep it a little more brief than usual. We're just going to discuss one major uh, topic that happened this week. So as, as you gentlemen may have seen, uh, there was a, a major outage um, with the, the bank transfer system um, within Japan this week. And so for, for, for I think it was two days, um, people were not actually able to to transfer money, um, so we call it uh, furikomi here, as as you gentlemen know, um, and you know that 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 caused massive disruption throughout the entire country. It was actually every every single bank was affected, to my knowledge, um, and people use bank transfer or furikomi, um, you know, as a sort of primary means to transfer payments. In, in Japan, um, so you know, if you're paying your rent, for example, if you're receiving your salary, um, you know, if you if you're paying for a sort of um, big ticket items, you may use Furikomi as well. Like if you're paying for a flight or something, it's it's often an option to to use it. Um, so this was a, a major disruption, um, and I wanted to maybe talk a little about a little bit of a theory about I have about why this might have happened and why we might see this thing more going forward. Um, but just before diving into that, I wondered, were you gentlemen affected at all? Yeah, it was funny. I heard people talking about it. I might, I mean, I don't do much in the way of transfer, um, except for the occasional bill. So I didn't even notice it. I mean, perhaps I would have had, I tried to transfer, transfer something in that particular time frame, but I, I actually did not. I had, had somebody not told me I would have been blissfully unaware. Yeah, I don't use that, um, and I've I've just been in the U.S. just using U.S. payment systems anyway. So, haven't heard anything. God bless the USA. 
Yeah. So, well, I think um, they were probably lucky with the timing in a way because most of the Fudikomi, I would imagine, happens towards the end of the month um, when people get their salaries, pay, pay packets, etc. Um, and I, I haven't seen any news reports of this, but you can imagine the kind of things that are going to come out, right? Like, you know, people were due to be paid um, their salary because some people do get paid mid mid month or early in the month. But um, and you know, your salary didn't come in, and so you you couldn't pay your rent, and so now you're paying maybe overdraft fees, or you can imagine these kind of scenarios are, go- are going to be coming up, and so it'd just be be kind of interesting to follow the story going forward and 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 the fallout from it. Um, but you know, for a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, if that paycheck doesn't hit when it's supposed to, um, obviously it's a, it's a very impactful thing. Um, and so, you know, it is being taken very seriously by the, uh, the quote unquote authorities or the regulator out here. Now I have, um, I have a little theory on why this is happening. Um, you guys probably aren't going to be surprised to hear that. I, I think it actually, the regulator is the cause of the problem um and that we'll probably see as a result of the actions taken you know as a, as a response to this probably even potentially even more of these kind of issues going forward so let me just sort of outline my theory um so typically i so, so my, my uh, at a very high level my theory is that what what made japan very strong as a manufacturer in the post-war era um for example with the likes of toyota um, was this kind of idea of, I mean, you guys have heard of Kaizen, um, you're at this continuous improvement idea, right? And I think there's a, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, there's this, there's also, I mean, as part of that process, what happens, um, and I work in the IT industry here and, it, and it's carried over into the IT industry, but if, if there's, if there is an issue, if there is some sort of outage or problem, um, you have this, um, uh, process whereby, you have to do a, a root cause analysis, which is you know complete, completely standard. I mean that's that's standard across the world and, and RCA. And then you also have to do a um, re- sort of outline your remedial re- remediation steps, I guess you call it in English, but um, it doesn't fully translate because it's it's like this this saihatsuboshi uh, in Japanese. So it means literally, how do we prevent a reoccurrence? And the more you know, it. Um, it I mean, <sighs> It, it, I, I think is the cause of the problems when it comes to specifically to the IT industry. Um, now, so when you're manufacturing from Toyota, for example, I mean, maybe you make a change to the production line or, the, you know, materials are brought in or, you know, the temperature of the machine doing something, you know, paint job or something. Um, you do get that kind of Kaizen, that continuous improvement as a result of learning from your mistakes and implementing processes to, to you know, remediate those going forward. In the IT world, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And, you know, very often, um, and th- those who work with, with software will know that you don't necessarily know why things didn't work or why things went wrong. And, and, and it, it can be, it ca- can sometimes be a little bit of a mystery. Um, but anyway, you still have to put the Sai Hatsuboshi together and sort of usually to, to make the customer happy that, um, it, it, and it's kind of half theater, um, that you've done your due diligence, you've, you know, you've done, you've done, you've put your improvements in place and it isn't going to happen again. And they need that report so that they can report up to their bosses and say, we've done our due diligence and we've, you know, man- managed the vendor appropriately and we've, you know, this isn't going to happen again, right? And then ultimately at, at some level of this industry, you need this report to make the regulator go away or make the regulator happy. 
Um, and, and so there's this whole theater every time there's an outage. And typically in the IT world, what it involves is putting in a lot of like manual steps that don't really scale. Like they'll say, okay, well, next, you know, maybe this incident, I don't know, I don't know if this is true or not, but for example, maybe it was caused by um, regular maintenance. Um, maybe they're putting a patch on the systems and this and, and, and this happened. And so they say, okay, well, going forward, we'll only do patches on, you know, New Year's Eve. Um, or, or we've got to do an extra like 15 hours of manual tests before we do a patch or, or we need to report, you know, if we're going to do a patch, we need to get permission from, um, you know, the regulator or, 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 or something like this. It, it basically these steps that often involve people doing more work in, in less sociable hours, um, going through a lot of sort of red tape, um, j just to do some sort of work on the system. And what I've seen in, in my industry is that, for example, I've, I've, got, I've got a customer who hasn't patched their systems for like three or four years um, because just this, the quote unquote like quality measures they've put in place as a result of previous problems and outages have just made it too onerous to actually you know, grasp the nettle and and do this kind of um, this kind of maintenance work on the systems. So this is what I you know I, th I think we've got these problems all over Japan in all of the computing systems in all the corporations, uh, not only from a potential outage um, which we saw with the banking system, but also from a cybersecurity problem. I mean, if you're not patching your systems, then there's a lot of you know um, potential targets there for for cyber criminals to to target. So you know this is why I think this kind of outage. Um, which isn't isolated, by the way, because last year we saw with KDDI, the second largest mobile carrier in Japan, they had a, I think it was a three-day, or I think it was three-day or, or something like that outage last year, last summer, where people weren't able to call the emergency services. People weren't, you know, um, I mean, all sorts of other co companies who were depending on KDDI, like Uber Eats, were affected, for example, um, and they weren't able to, to make and receive phone calls. And I think it's the similar kind of phenomena where systems are just, Kind of people are like, well, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it, don't don't touch it. And with IT, that's an absolute recipe for disaster. And so I think that it, you know, ironically, the success Japan had in the in the hard manufacturing industries uh, is kind of haunting it now in the more soft uh, software uh, industries. And I think that's why they're, they're seeing these kind of problems. And I think what, that's why these problems are only going to get worse going forward because often with the, with the, the, the Japanese, they kind of double down. On, on these things. And so I, th I don't think we're going to see Saihatsuboshi change or go away anytime going forward. Um, but, but I think the medicine in this case is, is sort of the, the cause of the illness. So I don't know. I, I, that's, that's, that's my theory. I, I haven't heard it really. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a common theory. Uh, it's a bit of a controversial take, but um, uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or, or, you know, or, or ideas with regards to that. Well, this being my wheelhouse, as we all know, being the most technical guy on this call, I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I mean, does that? I, I'm, Andy, I'm sure you've got uh, some takes on the on the Japanese psyche, though. In 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 this regard, do you think that's a kind of flaw in the Japanese character or showing up? Or? Yeah. So, I mean, this is. Um, a perspective of a guy that I was talking to. So a, a, a kind of a back end guy that was a, a Chinese guy that worked back end for the banks um, would regularly complain about the ancient and seemingly retarded uh, systems that they still employ. I don't know what cobalt is. 
Um, but he would go on for hours about how he hated it and how he shouldn't have to use it and cannot understand why the Japanese are still using this thing. Um, I'm less concerned about these, like, I mean, the, the doom scenario about these happening more and more and more um, kind of under the thought that what what will happen is they'll they'll fix they'll fix whatever happened there, but then they won't make any upgrades. So like it'll like you won't have a problem. It's just this will put back adoption of new stuff a long mm. time. So things that you know you know you'd be used to getting in the U.S. we won't get until twenty thirty seven. Yeah. I think that's spot on. I don't know if you remember when you used to try and use a website, which was like a bank website or a government website. This is going back a few years. But they would say, oh, you need you need Internet Explorer to use this website. Yep. Right. And if you're trying to access it with a Mac, you wouldn't be able to. And I think that's that was part of it, probably because they'd had an issue before with, you know, people not being able to access the site. So that their, their site had to bullshit was, OK, we're going to restrict this to just IE users so that so that we can do the, te- you know. So, yeah, that, that that is another way that this shows up. Exactly. It's it's kind of it, it slows down the adoption of new adopting new features. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Which actually, on, on your end, actually, you might appreciate that because le- uh, the Japanese will be less able to implement some of the weird, whatever surveillance stuff, especially the banks. They they won't be they won't have the systems in place for a little while beyond what you know the U.S. or the U.K. or something might have um, to put some of the the they won't have the the back end capacity to to screw with it as much as the U.S. will, which you know might be a kind of a a silver lining there that's true um and we have definitely seen that right like japan is still a country where you can use cash almost everywhere that you know for example and so it's it's sort of behind quote-unquote behind in in both good ways and bad and this could be one of them (laughs) but um i don't know if you if you don't have the ability to sort of send you money that is also a problem so um but yeah, um, so that's, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I feel like unless there's a, a big change, like a sort of Meiji uh, revol- revolution or the, the, the um, sort of like shift in mindset when it comes to the IT world in, within Japan, um, you know, I, I don't see Japan really master, you know, mastering or improving um, software systems and, 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 you know, development and that these kind of things going forward. And I think that is going to cause problems as, as the world comes to increasingly rely more on software, but, um, but we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe chat GPT is going to do all this in the future and we're not going to have to worry about it. So that there's may always the day, may, may, the, may that glorious day come and yeah. I never have to do anything and chat GPT. We'll take care right. of it for me. Chat, chat GPT San. I guess it'll be the Japanese speaking. <laughs> chat right. GPT. Or oh, Chat GPT Kun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that concludes the, uh, the the new segment, at least for this week. Well, amen to that. May may the banks continue to function, at least, so that we can buy stuff for the time being. Uh, in the builder segment, we're going over to Euro Poor Land. Um, we have a company called Bringin. Uh, this will be relatively short as well. Bringing is a financial technology company which does not hold a banking license nor custody of Bitcoin, custody swapping services, and VI bans are provided by licensed entities 
who we cooperate with. So this is a financial services company that is not trying to go the way of the bank. Uh, they, um, they are also uh, less formal. They call themselves Bitcoin enthusiasts who want to fuel adoption uh, for the mass of Bitcoin. The ability for users to spend their Bitcoin quickly, fast, and safely is necessary. And we aim to build all the tools necessary to make Bitcoin convenient for everyone. Now, this company is still in beta mode. They're still uh, restricted to uh, uh, European users at, in as much as that's their main focus. But what they seem to offer is a, um, a lightning wallet that allows you to spend Bitcoin instantly, safely uh, from any wallet, pay bills, book flights, etc. They offer virtual debit cards with Bitcoin over lightning, where you create a one-time usable virtual debit card by paying a lightning invoice from your wallet and making online purchases with it. They make instant SEPA transfers from any Bitcoin wallet. They go from Bitcoin to euros seamlessly and instantly. Uh, they say that this is the safest and fastest only Bitcoin or Bitcoin only off-ramp in Europe. They are still in beta, as I said, but you can get early access on their site, which is at bringin.xyz. And you can find them on X at bringin.xyz, all lowercase. Um, seems like a European version of the Bitcoin app, if you use that, uh, or um, the more popular, um, uh, what's the other one? Not the Bitcoin app, the, uh, uh, the original Bit one. BitRefill. Seems like it's, it's one of those, plus a little bit of banking interaction. I don't think with uh, the, uh, the Bitcoin app or uh, BitRefill, you can do anything to offload Bitcoin into dollars or euros or whatever, but this one seems to offer that. Not exactly sure how they plan on doing that or what the connections look like, but thought it was a, a good, uh, uh, good thing to check out as they go forward. Um, not sure what they will be offering or what kind of uh, KYC requirements will be involved, but you know, the more the merrier the ways you get to use your Bitcoin um, in the real world, the better, in my opinion. Micah Dash, any thoughts? Um, I, could, I mean, I, I, I'm i not sure. I use the, the Bitcoin company app a lot um, for buying Visa cards, or my cousin does. Um, and so I've, I, I don't know if, it's that, if that kind of uh, functionality is in it. That sounds interesting. Um, but also, like, what is it with the Europause and bu building on Bitcoin and Lightning? It seems that they... Um, they, they, you know, they're probably second behind only the U.S. in that, right? So it's good to see the the Europores maybe. Um, I think the Europores that poor hole. You know, the Europores have to. We have, you know, they have various crappy currencies. You got a, um, you got the pound, which is you know consistently losing value towards the uh, against the dollar. You've got the euro, uh, euro doing the same. They have retarded capital controls, uh, which are seemingly ever. Are present, so I guess some of the based Europeans are are feeling the need to get themselves out of the traditional monetary system, or at least give themselves a way to work around it if necessary, which is good to see. Good for them. Yeah, I feel like I've always heard of Europeans being active in the Bitcoin scene. Like even when you hear about things from the early days, there's always just like random Scandinavians doing stuff and <laughs> French people. <laughs> Brits, Germans as well. A lot of Germans doing, doing stuff with lightning. I don't know. I don't know why that is. And the, the king of all Europeans. 
the king of all Europeans is Paolo, right? At um, uh, at Tether, leading leading uh, the leading the uh, the way forward in terms of Tether maximalism. So, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I don't. Guy, the what? The guy, the guy, how do you not know the Tether CEO, or the Bitfinex CEO, the king of Tether? He is a man that we all should bow down and appreciate. <laughs> to be fair, I've only heard him, I think, on one podcast. I, he's, he keeps a fairly low profile from, I don't know, it seems to me, anyway. Um, so he's, I, don't, I don't think he's that well known in the, maybe that's just a recent thing, I don't know. I, I feel that this is a failure on your guys' part. <laughs> I know, know, I know who King Arthur is. What? Arthur Hayes, right? Oh, 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 yeah. See, Arthur, Wait, that, Arthur writes those epic takedowns of the of the Fed and what have you, right? And so everyone's reading Arthur, but I don't see um, I don't see Paolo out there much because he's out behind the scenes like Batman keeping us all safe from the European or from the American regulators being completely untouchable and winning the war against the American government so that he can use his crappy dollar tether thing unencumbered by the rules of the GAE and we should all appreciate yeah. that well I he's also doing I, I got it confused he's bitmax not bitfinex right is that what he is? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's so many of these exchanges, right? You can't keep up with their names. I don't use any well, names, so. Well this is like I said, this is a failure on your part because you should know Tether <laughs> as we are Tether maximalists here. No, Tether's actually cool, right? Like isn't Tether still one of the best privacy tools that people actually can use because it's reliable because it, it pegs to the dollar, but they don't KYC you. Yeah. Yeah, not yet, and they um, they support are uh, the 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 always reliable Tron, Tron Tether on Tron, Tether on Ethereum, all of our favorites, and someday maybe some kind of Tether on whatever Lightning thing comes out of Lightning Labs, someday in the future. Although I'm not sure, I'm not sure if uh, Dash will be protesting Tether on Lightning. I wouldn't pro. I I wouldn't protest it. It'd be interesting. Oh, I know that, um, you know, re realistically speaking, Tether is more the permissionless store of value for like 80% or whatever of the, of the global quote unquote global South. So it's, 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 it's proved itself as, you know, to have a real use case and real, real demand. So it'd be interesting to see that come across the lightning maybe, but I, I, I know for me personally, um, I, I, I can't see myself ever using it. But then I don't, you will, I don't need and it, you right? will like it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's it. So bring in sounds like um, they're doing uh, the Bitcoin app kind of thing for Europe, plus a little bit of extra functionality with getting uh, Bitcoin onto uh, into local currency if necessary. So uh, for those Europeans, those Europores in the audience, feel free to check out. As I said, at bringin.xyz. So that's all for builder segment. Pushing on, on onward, dash, we go to, is Tokyo a suitable citadel? Part three. Thank you, sir. So yes, uh, as you say, this is part three of a three-part series. This will be the last one um, we do on Japan, specifically um, 
uh, for this time at least. Um, and so in the previous two episodes, we've talked, we've spoken more about Japan in general um, as a suited as a suitable sort of de- location for a citadel. Um, and as part of that, we discussed things like the demographics here, um, the immigration trends. Um, we discussed, you know, the 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 um, the yen, the um, the cost of living, the, the opportunities with with um, land being cheap, for example. Um, and so, I thought well, for this third and final show, we can be a little bit more specific about um, you know Bitcoin in Japan. Um, I did. I remembered this was a Bitcoin podcast, and so I thought we'd better just talk about Bitcoin on at least one of the shows. So, um, and so I thought we could maybe kick it off by talking about um, maybe our, our experiences with the with the Bitcoin scene in Japan. Maybe we can just go around and and the three of us can discuss our own individual experiences, and and then for for the first half, and then for the second half of the show, I was th- I was thinking we could maybe talk about our, our our plans going forward and how you know how we how we plan to sort of grow things out here or, or the, the way that we see things going um, in the future um but I'll, I'll just kick us off with with sort of my experience with with bitcoin in japan so um you know fortunately for me i i am a very sort of private paranoid person uh, by nature and so it was no. um <laughs> so i wasn't immediately sort of out there um you know going to meetups and and what have you in um uh, you know um in, in in the earlier days let's say now i i got into bitcoin it was it was after mount gox let's just put it that way and so i, I can't really talk to what was going on at that time but um um, I sort of, you know, in the periphery, I, I was looking at Bitcoin from around the kind of bull run in 2017, and so, um, you know, one thing I noticed there was there was kind of a, you know, there was a, there was a Bitcoin scene, and I was following some people. I was on still on Twitter back then, and so a lot of it to me seemed to be centered around the kind of um, Bitflyer, which is one of the major exchanges out here and you'd have like uh i think it's miss miss bitcoin my or whatever on twitter she'd be posting pictures of them out and drinking champagne and rapongi and things like that and so it all it all seemed rather rather sort of opulent and showy and it wasn't wasn't of any interest to me um and so i just sort of followed that from from a distance that you know we had the the block size war you know i know i know that roger Ver was based out here in Japan, but I never really, I, you know, I never met the guy or, or, or followed him or listened to anything he, he was saying. Um, and I was following the, the block size war more from a sort of US centric perspective, really listening to US based influences more than anything. But um, what I mean, one thing that came out of that was like this, there was there was there, there was a surge, I suppose, of merchant adoption in Japan. Some of that, I believe, was led by Roger before both before and after the the chain split but we had things like one of the major retailers um the sort of i guess best buy maybe of, of japan like the one of the major sellers of electronics um announcing that they were going to be you know t- taking payments in bitcoin for example and um there, 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 there was a number of announcements like that um and and so and, and you know this is during the, the bull run and then what so what happened i mean there was the two the double 
headed blow, if you like. The, the first was obviously the bear market that came in 2018, and that seemed to really dampen the enthusiasm a lot. But the, obviously, the, the 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 biggest blow was the sort of COVID thing that happened a couple of years after that, where whatever meetup scene there was out here just completely got smashed, completely disappeared. And um, you know, we sort of went into this hibernation period for a while. And then it was coming out of COVID. I think it was around, and, and in Japan, it's kind of lasted for longer it, to me. Um, so I think it, when I say coming out of COVID, I'm talking more about 2022 time when, you know, I had been like listening to Michael Saylor interviews like a, like a psychopath, right? For like two years at that point. Um, and had definitely been going down the rabbit hole, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of Bitcoin and a lot of other things. And it, you know, it came to, it, I, I sort of made the realization or the decision that, damn, you know, you know, Bitcoin's great. It's this permissionless store of value, seizure sense resistant, fantastic, definitely need to be stacking tats going forward. But on the other hand, you know, if we're not, uh, if there's, if there's no way to spend these sats, like it's, it's just gonna be so easy for the government to, you know, control, uh, new, new to this tool because they can just ban the, the off ramps on on and off ramps for example or they can limit those and so you know unless there's a circular economy unless we can actually you know you know shake your ranch's hand and you buy your steak with with sats or, or what have you this 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 might just be a dead end right and i sort of so i was okay i don't i don't like to do this maybe not the most gregarious person outgoing person etc but i'm just gonna have to buy the bullet and get out there and see what's going on and so um join the uh, the diamond hands, which we can talk a little bit about diamond hands, but diamond hands is, um, it's, it's a group of mainly lightning network enthusiasts out here. And it was, it was a pizza party that they'd put on, um, with, with, with Tedeco Nediki, who's, she translated the Bitcoin standard and she's, you know, she's one of the main Japanese, um, the most knowledgeable um, in, when it comes to Bitcoin, and also does a lot of work to, pr- to promote it here. But she, they, they put on this pizza party in, um, I think it was, you know, when was the pizza party? It was like April, right? April or May that that year. Um, and that's and that's where you know the, the Tokyo Citadel was actually born because I, I met Mike and Andy there. Um, and you know, um, this, the story begins for the Tokyo Citadel. Um, but that was, you know, that was my first real experience of, of actually going to a meetup. Um, and, um, and, and, and that's where that, that's the sort of background for me in terms of that, in terms of Bitcoin. I mean, it's, um, there's a, there's a lot of gaps there, obviously, cause I wasn't really a, an active participant in, in Japan until that sort of 2022 time. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that's, that's my sort of background. So I wanted to just pass into, to you, Andy, and and Mike, maybe maybe you could talk us through your uh, your background, and, and then we can just bring it back to the present day and, and, and what we're doing now. Mike, after you. That was my first meetup as well. Actually, um, I had never been to a Bitcoin meetup. I, I was always interested in going. Um, like I, I was hearing about big ones in Texas, and I think we met at was the one in Miami what's the one that Bitcoin magazine puts on there that, where they invite everybody like Michael Saylor and all the all the Bitcoin micro celebrities the, the Bitcoin conference yeah is that what it's called yeah I mean I think they had that was the really big one right and they had they sh- they threw that one maybe one a year before we met 
I think. So I was thinking of eventually yeah. going to one like that. But then when, when I moved to Tokyo, um, I don't know how I stumbled upon the Diamond Hands meetup. Maybe on Twitter or something. Um, and I don't even know what motivated me to go. I was probably kind of just Googling around or something, looking for a Bitcoin meetup in the area. And uh, didn't know what to expect. But it was cool. I met I met both of you guys. I think you two were the first ones I met, <laughs> first people I talked to at that uh, conference. Yeah, that was uh, similar to me. Um, I had my entire Bitcoin life had been spent on uh, listening to morons on what was I don't even know if it still exists Clubhouse, um, and then uh then twitter and then i was like well this is we're we're like people now are getting back in the into public and if uh all of these 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 people on the interwebs uh have have a point i should probably go see these things in person go see what this is all about so that's where we went and in Dopongi, uh we all got together um I don't know that I had much, you know, Dash seemed to have really had great personal struggle and angst as to meeting other people in person. I don't think I really thought that much about it in terms of security or concern about such things. Um, I don't know if you did either, Mike. I uh, just kind of showed up and was was curious to see what, what would go down. Do you actually remember what was at, what, what they talked about at that meeting? I don't, uh, I'm trying to think. It was, uh, was some, some guy that went to El Salvador. Oh yeah, someone was talking about El Salvador, and then I think someone put on some lightning presentation. It was all in Japanese, if I remember correctly. Yeah, God bless them. Unfortunately, the, um, some of the uh, some of the guys there have the worst presentation presentation skills I've ever seen. Um, so sometimes I I don't know what in the hell they're trying to talk about, um, but <laughs> nevertheless. They, uh, there was a, there was a, uh, the El Salvador thing. I remember that was very clear that, that I got. And then there was some other thing that was beyond me. So was some guy talking about quantum computing or there was something that, that didn't make much sense to me, but that, that's what I think we were talking about. But yeah. On the safety uh, subject, I remember, um, that was always one of the things that kind of sketched me about, sketched me out about, um, bitcoin meetups but i i think i remember consciously thinking like oh tokyo is probably the best place to do this it's, it's probably the last place i'm gonna get robbed for for my bitcoin hot wallet or whatever I, I remember being disappointed because they had corporate sponsorship that night if you remember and there was some guy going around taking photos and i was a bit uncomfortable about that and then and then they ended up and i think we had masks though back then we obviously no like no like it was funny because I remember a lot of people might well I, I know you didn't Andy <laughs> remember you didn't but mo most people sort of arrived in masks myself included but then within like I think it want to say like ten minutes of it starting like we all had taken our masks off and it was it was funny because that was the first time I you know I, I that I'd seen a social event where people were taking the masks off in in Japan. And that's the, and that's to to go back to my earlier point about like COVID seemed to last longer in Japan for me. I mean, so a lot of American listeners might think, well, COVID finished in two thousand twenty-one, but it's like it, it was still it was still a thing here um, that every everyone was wearing masks then. 
but this was the first place I've been to where people took their masks off. It was just kind of it's kind of cool. And there was like there was no there was no announcement. Very, very un-Japanese, right? Because usually Japanese would be like, okay, you don't have to wear your mask and then everyone takes them off. But people just did it of their own. I guess they look, you know, there was a few brave, like <laughs> Andy and a, a few other sort of brave souls who did it first or did, didn't even have them on in the first place. And then people just sort of took their masks off. And it was it was this kind of, <laughs> it was this amazing liberating moment. I mean, in, in that sense, it was kind of cool, right? Um, that, um, um, you know, pe- I sort of realized I was with the right crowd. As that was happening, on the other hand, the corporate sponsors kind of annoyed me with their photo- photos. And I, I, I remember after that meetup going to re, uh, going to Reflecticals.com. I don't know if you know that site, but it's like they sell privacy shades. It's, it's, it's what I use for my my avatar um, on online. But uh, I, I bought a pair of Reflecticals like the day after that. <laughs> Eventually, you didn't have like, them I'm at not... that meeting for some reason. I thought no. you did. Not for the first one. For the set from the second one, I had them, and I was wearing them like a clown. But um, but then no, like I no one ever took a photo again at, at any of the Diamond Hands meetings or, or or otherwise. So it was just that first time. I guess you just got to be careful when there's corporate sponsorship because they want to they want to like take photos and put and, and use it on their social media accounts, right? So you got to yeah. The only the thing that if you do that, yeah. The only thing that worries me about speaking of security at these things is. I'll beat the ever-loving crap out of a hundred of you uh, computer nerds. But what concerns me is that you will all rob me blind via some kind of hackery shit that I don't know what you're doing. So I was terrified of like about my phone, about whether or not I should bring it, and whatever other kind of electronic stuff you could use to screw me. Uh, so that's actually still a concern, like with the with Nostra Asia coming up. Like, should I buy a new phone with nothing on it just so I have something that I can text text my wife, lest um, you weird computer nerds rob me blind with uh, unsuspectingly or something? Which is actually a question I throw out to you guys. Should I get a new phone? <laughs> should I get a should I get a burner phone so that the uh, the Japanese hackers can't rob me of all of my shit? I would say you should get a, You should get a burner phone anyway. I mean. Um, I mean, there's a couple of ways you, you can do this with 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 Android. You can have different profiles on your phone, so you can set up like this profile that you use to go through an airport, for example, right? So it's like it's almost like you've got different users who are using your phone, right? So you can have you know my my regular profile, which has my you know whatever Telegram signal, and then I can have like my Meetup profile, which has none of that stuff. It's just I just I just use Google, I don't know Google Maps or whatever with it. Um, so you can, you can look into using Android, uh, get away from the Apple Gulag, um, or you can just buy like a cheap burner phone, as you say. You can get like an iPhone SE two for uh, twenty thousand yen or something now, and then you can just use that. I wouldn't obviously for Meetups, yes, but also for things like going through the airport. I mean, you've got to keep this in mind going forward because, as far as far as I'm concerned, you have zero rights as soon as you step into an airport. So they can they can take your phone, they can you know they can copy whatsoever's on there. They can in some jurisdictions they can even force you to give the password um, and and go and go through your phone, etc. So you know keep keep that in mind. Um, but also, I'll finally I'll say, don't keep all your Bitcoin on your phone. Maybe would be one idea. So maybe I'll invest keep in it where card. I want it. I want it all in a hot wallet. <laughs> go to hell. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know have you guys ever heard of someone getting getting hacked or losing their hot wallet because i've actually never heard of it i've heard of people getting mugged and they were forced to, to send, yeah, to yeah, send like the, the bitcoin the wrench yeah. attack yes but 
I don't think I've ever heard of like some software like on the main hot wallets. I mean, I don't track every wallet, but like people who just use like blue wallet or something or green. It's interesting because I feel like I've heard of way more hack stories from um, like hardware wallets and crazy, fancy, sophisticated cold storage setups. Yeah, I uh, no, I mean, the, so the, the only um, technical attacks that I'm aware of are quote unquote technical attack, but like the, the, the low hanging fruit is obviously you just send you send someone a, a phishing email saying, oh, you, you've been hacked, you need to input your passphrase into this website right that's obviously the most common one this the second one would be um weak entropy so we had that recently with uh the bitcoin was it on on some seed generator that they had been running since back in the day which has actually had faulty en- entropy generation so hack it, oh, was like, there an like, act? i remember hearing about that scandal i didn't look into it but was there an actual hack associated with it or was someone just pointing yeah. out yeah, so they, so to my knowledge, they found out about that because somebody had mysteriously lost their stash, and so they were looking into that, you know, and then and then they found that the the entry was comp- compromised, and criminals were actively brute forcing, I assume, and sweeping wallets. So, I mean, this is this is this is the get, you know, this is Bitcoin, right? So you you know, you wake up one day and it's like you've you've no Bitcoin, and it's like, yeah, well, you use weak entropy like five years ago. Um, through no fault of your own, and by the way, that 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 uh, program, that f- service, if you like, was was recommended by Andreas Santonopoulos in his Mastering Bitcoin. So mm. you you can play, you know, you can play by all the rules, you can do everything right, and then you wake up one day and your Bitcoin's gone. So I mean, it it, it is obviously very scary. Um, I mean, Does that entropy the- problem apply to any of the other major tools yes. that people use? Absolutely, and this is why Cold Card give you the option to generate your own entropy with dice rolls, right. and why I hi- highly recommend people do that. Um, because and I guess another. Well, another way around that is also to just have a have a bit thirty nine passphrase, right? Yeah, that will help to some extent. I mean, yes, yeah, because you'd have thought the brute forces wouldn't, um, wouldn't, wouldn't. I mean, because oh, so if you have just like a three letter passphrase or something, and 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 they also, you know, did brute force operations adding passphrases, then potentially they could they could take. But you'd you'd thought they wouldn't do that. They they, they would just they would just brute force the seed, right? So yeah, I mean, having a passphrase, I, I would have thought would give you a, a measure of protection against that. Another thing would be multi-sig, obviously. So if you've got, you know, uh, m- m- uh, multi-vendor, multi-sig, like let's say you've got a two of three, and then you've got a cold card, and you've got a ledger and a treasure or something like that, then even if um, cold card gets, you know, compromised for whatever reason, you'd you'd be okay. Um, You'd be you'd be protected because you you and you just have to redo your multi sig. You just have to send funds to a new multi sig, which in that case didn't have cold card, for example, or had the had the fixed entropy. So yeah, I mean the, these are ways you there there are ways you can mitigate. But they, I mean this is why it's important, I think, to you know to to get as technical as you can with Bitcoin, just to understand the risks because and the mitigations, right? Because um, you, you, you know it is. It is a very it's a sort of frontier thing, right? So it's, it's a new thing. There's a lot of risks out there. You know, when when you're connected to the internet, you're connected to eight billion people. They could all potentially steal your corn. Um, you know, there's all these kind of foot guns around. But generally speaking, if you just like if you just follow Jemison Lop, for example, just go through his writings. If you if you if you get a cold card and you read the sort of you know you listen to MVK or or you you know read read maybe some of the stuff they've got on their blog. 
in their podcast, you, you'll get a sense of what you need to do, which is generally, as you say, Mike, you've got the passphrase, um, or when you generate a seed, make sure you add, add your own entropy with dice rolls, or you know, using multi-vendor multi-sig, you, you can pretty much mitigate yourself from most of these things. And 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 you know, and th these are rare occurrences as well. Um, and also, you know, the, the, by far and away, as we said, the most likely attack vector is just a phishing email and telling you to input your seeds into a website. So, it's, I mean, as, as long as you're not doing that, as long as you're saying, mm, no, I don't think I am going to input my seed into a website because I, I, because I've, I've been told that you should only ever do that on the hardware device, hardware signer, and I'm, I'm only ever going to do that, then, then you're going to protect yourself from 99% of these attacks anyway. But um, Yeah, but are but yeah, you testing your dice to make sure your dice isn't loaded? <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dox my my dice setup uh, yeah um, well exactly yeah i mean you, you, you as you know the rabbit hole runs deep if you want true security you have to flip a coin 256 <laughs> times just sit well, there did for you, hours yeah i mean did you manufacture the dice yourself and yeah no i, I mean I, so you know there's there's obviously no limit there's no end to the sort of precautions you can take and you, and, and that that road leads to insanity but um, there's certainly there's certainly a set of best practices. You know, you've mentioned there, Mike, like the the multi-sig and the passphrase, which I'd recommend everyone at least look into. Well, I don't know that you've allayed any of my fears about weird <laughs> computer nerds stealing my shit, but I will take all of my my seventy five thousand Bitcoin and take them <laughs> off my hot wallet off uh wallet of satoshi and put it somewhere better i guess <laughs> yeah I, I will actually it's funny that you mentioned that about like uh people screwing with your phone i remember getting sketched out that first diamond hands conference that we went to um i think it was one of the corporate sponsors they were offering some kind of like scan this qr code and get some free sats over lightning and it was like five bucks of sats or something like that and um, i remember just feeling really sketched out pulling out my phone and doing it and it wasn't working on the wallet that i was using so it's like someone else i had just met that night was like oh let me help you and he like took my phone <laughs> and like opened up another app a different wallet <laughs> app and uh it turned it all turned out to be fine but I, I just remember that like disturbing me a little bit i remember doing a um trying to buy some or oh, my cousin sorry has a story of when he tried to buy bitcoin peer-to-peer um and um the guy was in visiting japan didn't have reliable internet connection and he like couldn't broadcast the transaction and i, I had my cousin had bad a bad feeling about this guy anyway and then he's like oh i don't have good internet so can you lend me your uh you know do tethering you know give me give me your iphone i had an iphone still back then. give me your iphone connection i was like no <laughs> no i'm not giving you my iphone connection dude and and ended up not being able to do the trade that was the only trade i've ever been, been involved in that didn't um successfully complete but yeah i think for me like handing over my phone or like someone connecting to my phone that's a big no no go especially when it comes to like a bitcoin meetup or something like that Well, I don't know. I, do you know? Speaking of that, do you know how big the um, the peer to peer thing was back in the day in Japan? Just random question. I know it was big in China, but I don't know if it ever got. Uh, there was a lot of peer to peer stuff over here. If there was, I... it was probably people sending each other like ten thousand Bitcoin at a time. <laughs> no joke. We'll have, to ask, we'll have to ask Koji at some point if he ever did that. 
Yeah, that that would be interesting. I I don't know. I mean, I would I would imagine not just because um, this is just my guess because I I don't know. But Japanese tend to be a little bit more autistic and don't like to autistic meet each other and reser- yeah, and also and 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 with Bitcoin as 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 we all know, the autism levels you know ten x. So the the sort of Japanese Bitcoiners I would imagine are extremely private, sort of cautious people. So I can't imagine them doing much peer to peer stuff, even you know back then or even now, but. I might be wrong. Listeners, if you if you know of any stories, let us know. How did we get off on this topic? Weren't we talking about uh, adoption in Japan? Sorry, I don't know. I think I, I probably took us in a weird direction. No, it's it's all good. So we're just talking about this the Bitcoin scene up, you know, the, the background up until today, I guess. And so, you know, maybe we can use this as um we you know, we can we can talk a little bit more about today and, and going forward. Um, so I think we, you know, we all, we all met at the pizza party 2022, the Bitcoin Citadel was formed. That was initially just a telegram group. And I think it was, um, me, me and Mike that set that up. Um, and so anyone who's, one one thing I've noticed by the way, and it was interesting that the three of us had been like, we can't fully articulate why or whatever, but we were all searching for a meetup at that time. Or it seems at the same time, and we all just sort of ended up going. I, I think that is happening all around the world, and I think it was around that time. I think it was around 2022, for whatever reason, um, emerging from COVID and blah blah blah. Um, you've, you, I think you've you've seen all sorts of like these groups pop up all all over the world. Um, generally, I think starting with a Telegram group chat. Funnily enough, um, whether this is a giant honeypot or not, I don't know. But um, and then that goes to uh, from Telegram. Then you start getting into the the physical meetups, right? And I think that's where we we've evolved it. Um, where you know initially it was just shit put, posting about the Fed or or all sorts of things in in the Telegram chat. But then we've gone to doing like regular regular meetings. So in in Japan right now, we've got two different meetups that we're doing. Um, the first one is just a casual thing where we'll meet at like, a, a an English pub or something in, in Japan. And it's kind of, you know, whatever you just, you're just having a few drinks and, 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 you know, talk, talking rubbish about your day or whatever. Um, and we're doing those sort of once every two weeks. And the other thing that we've rec- uh, that Andy's recently started is the honey badger, honey badger hit about, which I cannot say it's like a tongue twister for me. Um, but I, I don't know, Andy. Do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about that and the concept and you know how, how you want to see that sort of evolve going forward? Yeah. The, so the honey badger hiroba thing is kind of um, kind of hard to uh, put into words. Sometimes, like I, it's just kind of a, a stream of consciousness that uh, I uh, was having over the course of a few days, and just uh, a lot of you know. Basically, you know, for me, what happens is something will piss me off uh, royally, and then I'll do something. Until then, usually I don't do much. But like I was listening, like I forget, I think I was either reading something, or I, I was I was working out and I was listening to a podcast or something, and I kept hearing the slogan, you know, "Fix the money, fix the world." Bitcoin fixes this. We've already won all that kind of shit, and I was like getting more and more irritated by these things because i'm looking around and i'm not as much of a doomer as you dash but nevertheless i mean like there's things that that are going on and it is most certainly not like guaranteed that the uh the 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 world i would like to see emerge does there's things that need to happen um and also 
uh, Bitcoin in and of itself isn't a magical tool by which the world will be blessed and enter into the eschaton. Um, Bitcoin is great money, but these slogans are not magic incantations that will bring us into into happiness here. Uh, we haven't won shit yet, really, right? I mean, Shiba Inu, Inu coin still exists. It still has uh, a market cap. And if, if we cannot put to death Shiba Inu coin, then we're in no position to say, like, Bitcoin fixes this and we've already won. That shit is over. Uh, Bitcoin's code, right? It, it's the best instantation of money you have. It's a powerful tool. Um, it's punchback money. It's awesome. It's it's a fuck you wall of defense in a, in a in a monetary sense. But it's nothing unless it's implemented and used by us in the way intended and the way money is supposed to be. So with me, with me, as I said, I, I start things when I get pissed off, and that's what Honey Badger Hiroba is. After a few years in in uh, in Bitcoin, there it's just like getting frustrating to not do anything besides take it, hodl it, and then kind of shut up about it, I guess. Uh, I was irritated that in Japan, we don't have any semblance of a Bitcoin circular economy. While I was starting to stack more, you would see uh, other people going like, oh, I'm going you know, online, or you'd hear about people using it here, using it there. El Salvador had come into the mix. Uh, Madeira over in Portugal had come into the mix. But you come to Japan, the world's one of the world's leading economies and you can't you can't find a you, you you know you you couldn't do anything with it if you wanted to um so i was irritated that we don't have any kind of engaged dev community no no shade at uh at the uh digital garage people or the the diamond hands thing but that, that that's kind of small potatoes compared to what you see in a lot of different places um i was irritated by the lack of any kind of on the ground um meeting for people that not only like bitcoin but are able to see uh see a different vision of the world than we currently have which seems to be prevalent in other places um as you said uh dash globally we see these people getting together but we had none of that here and sadly over here all you know to a certain extent you see people becoming more and more atomized and they're way of interacting is becoming more and more thin and kind of de you know dehumanized um it's very topical and you know that's not the kind of world i want to live in that's the kind of life i want to lead so how do you what do you what do you need to do in in response to something like that well you got to put something together if it's not in existence you got to do it yourself so, I mean, we have a group here in Japan, you know, which exists of, you know, 100 online members and probably 20, 25 active people. 25 people is enough to get a thing going. So if people want to get together and they live in the area to get together, well, what the hell? Let's get them together and see what see what comes up. And then the Hiroba takes Bitcoin as a foundational um, tool the the monetary the finance layer that we pay with things for you can come in you can use it there and then on top of that we'll take that and people with that similar ethos and understanding of the world that that it it's not quite right and it needs to be engaged with 
on a different level and see what else we can talk about. So it's not uh, Honey Badger Hiroba brings people together who are all Bitcoin um, enthusiasts and then looks to see where else they can be directed, whether that be re under or uh, have a new look to understand the world of art, which will be our first event, uh, the world of aesthetics differently, how uh, a community needs to come together and needs to have beauty for, for lack of a better word, um, for lack of a more masculine word, uh, beauty needs to tie them together in certain ways. How does art and um, aesthetics make its mark and why, why is that important for a community to emerge without that you know, communities probably don't emerge. Why is that? And what are some of the backgrounds to it? In the future, um, there'll be things like um, 3D printing or fitness, um, things about architecture. I have a few things lined up that all are practical uh, and useful things for people that are looking to build um, an alternative community to think through as they step-by-step start to see where the lines in the sand are drawn for the uh in in the current community and societies in which they live so that's kind of a as i said a honey badger hiroba is kind of a stream of consciousness for me but that's kind of how my mind uh kicked off when i was thinking about this kind of thing yeah that's great because i i think this is where things are pivoting i i feel globally is that there's this kind of collective realization that we've been talking obsessively about bitcoin and bitcoin fixes this and, and that all the stuff that you said andy was frustrating you for like the last whatever three four years all throughout the pandemic and i think there's this realization or at least i've i've come to the realization that we, we we've been sitting around discussing the tool and all we talk about is the tool and how great the tool is and how we love the tool and nuances about the tool but we're not talking enough about what we're going to use the tool for. And mm. really this is supposed to be the whole point of, of, of the Bitcoin is, is not it's, it's, it's yes. Preserve purchasing power. Great. Yes. Permissionless value transfer of value. But what are you going to use that for? And when you look at previous, uh, you know, I mean, the things that you mentioned like art, architecture, so usually cultures leave, I mean, so, you know, maybe, maybe the hard money, maybe, maybe the, 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 the culture had success through whatever its exploits and, and it, it, it found deposits of gold or something, but they, but generally that, that culture is remembered by what it leaves behind in terms of the buildings, in terms of the, the books that I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's this sort of cultural legacy. And so I, I think as Bitcoin is, we, we, and, and maybe it means the community fractures somewhat or, you know, obviously this is all, all sort of work in progress. We're, all, we're working this out in real time, but it, 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 we need to be focusing more on what we're going to use the tool for. And it seems like the Hidoba is going to facilitate that kind of conversation, which I'm, I'm very excited about. Absolutely. I'm actually curious, Mike, where do you fall on that um, kind of thing? Because I know you're less of a, a Citadel guy than than Dash or I, or you have a different perspective on it. Do you think that kind of thing is necessary or helpful? I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, I've, I have always been more on the side of um, hodling Bitcoin is one of the best ways to use it. I, I mean, it's, it's obviously dependent on your circumstances. But um, I've, I've always kind of thought there was something weird about the gimmicky 
um, ways in which people would like showcase using Bitcoin, like where you could tell it was very much just to like do a demo. Um, but then there are there are people who spend it on a regular basis in their lives in a real in a real sense. But moving over to um, like focusing on um, what your goals of using Bitcoin will be, I think is is a step, like I said, in the right direction because that's one of the big issues of like just sitting around and saying like, oh, Bitcoin solves all of the problems. You're just focusing on um, problems. And it's, I think the criticism of libertarianism that we've talked about before mm is like all it's ever doing is um defining itself as what it isn't rather than focusing on what it what it is what its own identity is um so filling that void with something positive is going to be necessary i I think the only the the risk i guess or uh, the potential downside is you, you, Bitcoin's kind of a unifying thing. Most of us can agree on most of. I mean, we still manage to have obviously fallouts and arguments, but 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 by and large, Bitcoin Bitcoin is kind of a unifying thing for for this movement. And so, when you then move the conversation forward to different ideas of well, how how should we use Bitcoin, or more, you take things in a more uh, a direction away from Bitcoin a little bit, right? Where you're talking about the cultural impacts and et cetera, et cetera. Then we'd ima- I'd imagine that the community is going to diverge a little bit. Um, and so I wonder like how, how that would look. Would you end up getting groups that were kind of, you know, fighting more? Um, would that necessarily be a bad thing? I, 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 I'm struggling to work, think about how this is going to look, but it, it seems to me like it, the landscape in Bitcoin should look completely different in five years' time. But then you're, you're just gonna you're just gonna have it's gonna be more fragmented, or you know, and you you, you will find your tribe within within the Bitcoin tribe, um, and 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 those different branches or what have you will will sort of grow in their own independent way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I, know any any ideas on how that could be a, a risk or. Well, how that will look it, forward. I think it will begin to highlight the um, like underneath the surface the differences between different factions of Bitcoin users, different groups. Um, kind of like at the beginning, like all libertarians, it's kind of like, oh yeah, we're all against the state, we're all against the government, we're all for like property rights and human rights or whatever. Um, but then as you kind of progress in develop developing your um, uh, like a more holistic perspective on how all of that plays out, you start to focus a lot of the differences, like to use one example is like the, the differences between like being socially left versus right comes up and then you see, Oh wait, there's like a bunch of these left libertarians and right libertarians. And they like, have much more in common with like, if you look, you know, that like political spectrum with the quadrants, like I think the authoritarian right and the libertarian right have a lot more in common generally than the uh, libertarian right and the libertarian left and the libertarian left has a lot in common with the authoritarian left. And then like you, you kind of, when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, you start to see that like, Oh wait, there is this like in group preference where the 
the right libertarians are always going to be making excuses for the um, uh, so-called like prop, pro, uh, human rights abuses and property rights abuses from a libertarian perspective that the right-wing conservatives or whoever is is making in society and the leftists are are just the left libertarians are going to do the same for all the leftist causes and um and then you start to see that like at the end of the day that's where the true loyalties lie and so i think with bitcoin it's going to be the same thing where it's just like okay you begin by defining yourself as like oh we're all we're all against central banking we're all against fiat we're all against the dollar um but underneath the surface there's a lot of differences still that remain and uh, imagine a world without the dollar imagine a world on the bitcoin standard um there are there are ideological spiritual differences that are that run much deeper than politics um and economics and so i think those in a, i believe that there could be a, a world that's totally like hyper bitcoinized uh, on a bitcoin standard um and uh certain things could be gone or reduced significantly but um a lot of these uh these differences will still exist and still remain and there will be lots of conflict over things it's not going to be like some kind of magical solution yeah i mean you can see that even now i mean just look at look at um you know take any number of people who are uh more just to keep pounding on the, the 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 libertarian angle like look how many libertarian bitcoiners are from back in the day they were all about bitcoin and then in this past cycle right they went full on shitcoiner you know take an udi or something right mm-hmm. like um bitcoin doesn't fix this i mean like that that was the the nature of his endeavors were more libertarian than they were bitcoin focused he he saw this as a project you know this is a project of self-emancipation you know i don't want to attribute greed to him necessarily right i don't know him i've never met the man uh but it was certainly was i can do what i want right and i'm going to create all this crap to do different things that i want to do it doesn't the the focus on uh bitcoin became very much secondary um and that that happened across the board. I don't know how many people you know you you saw like that. You could have. There were very few who were uh, that managed to maintain that kind of focus on the on the tooling of Bitcoin throughout the past couple, or at least from what I've seen in the past couple of years. Many of them have went over and been like, "This thing is great," or "That thing is great." There were very people. There there were very few who managed to uh, to maintain. And to Mike's point, I mean that that's the kind of breakup that you're going to see the cat's kind of out of the bag with some of the way the, uh, this system works and, you know, people use it according to their, their priors, according to their presupp- presuppositional um, understandings of the world. I, I suppose one potential counter argument to our thoughts here are in the in the thought that we're ready to evolve the conversation into something beyond bitcoin is what i'm saying um is that it's 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 potentially premature and the act of seizing um seizing back control of the money from the state which is essentially what this revolution is about i i believe 
you know, to essentially sort of a battle versus the central bankers for control control of our, our own, you know, financial our own wealth. Um, that is something that requires laser focus, like the original idea behind the laser eyes before that got co-opted by a load of grifters. But that, and so to, to then, to then talk about art and architecture and culture, I mean, this is, this is premature. This is more an act of the, of the winner of the victor. The victor gets to build the, you know, the cathedral or, or what have you. Um, and so, you know, the ca- counter argument could be that this is just going to dilute focus and it's, and, and it's premature and it could, it could end up taking away the momentum from, the, the, the true revolution and the, and that that would be a risk any i'm just i'm just i i don't think that but I, i'm just saying that could be a potential that's a steel man of, of the opposition view and you gentlemen have any any thoughts to counter counter that well it's it's really hard to predict how exactly it will play out uh i mean in like let's say a world where um everyone's using bitcoin um it depends on there. There are multiple ways in which that can come about, right? There's the totally like the cypherpunk utopia way, which um, I don't think really needs much elaboration. I think we're, we're all on board with that. But like, imagine like Michael Saylor. Like, take like coin. Imagine a world where Bitcoin is dominant in the EU and the US and these places, but it's like a Coinbase version of bitcoin where people are using coinbase products and equivalent right and uh and it's still just totally corporate and um you have the like lockstep between like the corporate and government um narratives around social issues and all kinds of other other things it's it's very different than the like or maybe it is i i think it's very different than the cypherpunk vision for where all that stuff is kind of like gone or or maybe some people have the cypherpunk vision where the corporate stuff is going on but then the cypherpunk scene is happening like underground in the dystopia um but i guess that wouldn't be a fully bitcoinized world maybe i i don't know what what do you think about these like various alternatives and how it could play out well i think my so i i think it would be the, the latter and what you just ex, ex, i think we of course we're gonna have the corporate layer that's definitely not going away um and but but i think the key is that we preserve that layer of freedom whereby if you want to and you, you know it's going to require a measure of inconvenience but you can be self-sovereign and and um that, I mean, that's one of the things we've got to make sure happens. And, and, and the second thing would be, you know, obviously the supply cap, right? So for me, so we're talking here about potential divergence of, of communities of groups along political lines, potentially. I think, Mike, you were the one that brought up that the sort of le- leftists would have a different agenda, for example. So what, what happens if in, you know, in the next decade or so, you know, there is, there is a, a wholesale adoption of bitcoin or there's a sort of high quote-unquote hyper bitcoinization but then you know the democratic or the progressive political forces decide that we need to expand the uh, monetary supply in fact we need a tail emission of let's say uh, 10 bitcoin per block which will be used for social causes right that will be going into the the government wallet and that can be used to promote um equity what, what you know whatever uh, what woke agenda that they may have 
like is that you can expect that kind of thing to emerge right and so if everybody's kind of fractured into their own different groups and we have yeah the libertarians the the democrats the republicans etc then we can expect bitcoin to be attacked and because people are in their own different factions and they're not unified as quote-unquote bitcoiners anymore then maybe that weakens the defense right against that kind of attack that kind of social layer attack and we could see potentially like a bitcoin forked with with this kind of you know tail emission or whatever um that would be that would be my concern and that would be going back to my point that maybe maybe i mean maybe just because we're so immersed in this space we think about it so much that we're, we're we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with these ideas, maybe, and uh, maybe maybe Bitcoin just isn't strong enough at this point for the community to fracture along different you know uh, political lines and, and interest groups, and still be strong enough to fight off these kind of attacks go, going forward. That that so that would be my you know counterpoint to our to our, our, our you know our suggestion that we need to be pivoting along or, or, or moving the conversation away from Bitcoin and towards other other kind of ideas but i don't i don't know i'd be interested to get your thoughts on that andy yeah i mean i bitcoin doesn't solve the human problem it doesn't remake morality um so whatever emerges um will not be some panacea it will not be a utopia um i actually assume mike's worst case scenario is probably the most likely the one thing that Bitcoin potentially allows though is this always this this off ramp so for the people it, it it's this kind of um perpetual button you can press to be like okay I'm not you know I've not been completely subsumed into the ideology of, or the uh the uh the spirit of the age here I'm I'm checking out and I'm taking my money. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. And there's nothing they can do about that. And that I I I think is is the most optimistic part of it. Is this it's this perpetual, unstoppable, well nothing completely unstoppable. But it's it's this very hard to kill thing. It's it's this wall that that you can place around yourself in cer- certain circumstances, and that communities or groups can use so that they can't at least be screwed with financially in in ways that they never could before. It gives them a wall of defense that had not been available to them previously. And despite whatever co-opting the larger entities make of it, and I, like I said, I I assume with Mike that they will, um, there's always an escape, uh, escape route you can take. There's always a button you can push to, to log off. And that keeps the balance where it needs to be. Things will get at, at times things will be better, at times things will be worse. But uh, currently, you know, you've got the Canadian trucker situation for most people, where if they want to go nuclear, they go nuclear, and there's not much you can do about it. In an ideal, or not maybe not ideal is the right word, but in in a in in a much better uh, situation they don't have that button to press anymore. If they want to do something, it has to has to be through hard violence, um, which I think is optimal, not because violence is optimal, but that's, that's a much harder case to make for many people. And the likelihood of, of taking the guns out 
on the Canadian truckers was very, very minimal as compared to ruining their lives and taking away all their money so they starved to death, which is not seen on camera. Well, I guess one one thing that's relevant to this discussion is, um, I mean, there. Would you agree that there's some there are some actors in the Bitcoin scene who have more or like a disproportionate amount of influence, not over like the Bitcoin code or something, but in turn the influence over whether Bitcoin gets adopted or how quickly it gets adopted in specific places like the USA. Like so, for example. I think that someone like Michael Saylor has a lot more influence in how Bitcoin gets used in America than I do. Well, yeah, I think that's completely uh, undeniable. (laughs) Right, right. So, I mean, when when you look at it this way, is like then look at what these kind of like big player type um, actors are doing and how much they kind of have to um show loyalty and obedience to the regime in their use of bitcoin so it's like michael saylor has to be 100 percent in line with the regulatory agencies kyc tax policies as at least tax taxation as a principle in the u.s right all of this stuff angers and has angered in the past many bitcoiners like people who are totally ideological libertarians or, or whatever um, and so that's basically the way that I see Bitcoin taking over is like everyone who's holding sats that aren't blacklisted will get like Bitcoin can continue to grow and spread and become totally legitimized in the U S and used as the main, main currency. But, um, it will come at the cost of the fact that like the whole narrative around Bitcoin will be different. And, um, you as a individual hodler will get really rich from it, right? Like if Bitcoin's trading at 1 million, 2 million, 10 million dollars per Bitcoin, you're going to you're going to become a lot more wealthy and your purchasing power is going to increase. But it's not going to be like the cypherpunk vision of Bitcoin that a lot of bitcoiners have and think is inevitable. And I guess that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. The, yeah, so that's um, I think you're right, Mike. I, I I think that's correct. I think I mean just just to get us back to the kind of um, you know direction of of Bitcoin community in Japan, and just and just to take one of your points that you made there about the the purchasing power potentially you know going up. Um, so I wonder, you know, let, let's say hypothetical, uh, hypothetically speaking, we do see another, you know, appreciation of what, like, a, I don't know, 2x, 5x, 10x, whatever, over the next one or two, you know, cycles. Um, we're going to see, therefore, Bitcoiners have some kind of economic power, right? Uh, their purchasing power is going to be increasing, especially relative to the, the fiat holders in, in Japan. Let's talk specifically about Japan here. Um, and we, you know we've we've, st- we've got this uh, Hiroba um, uh, meetup going where people are discussing, you know, the direction they 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 want to see society go, or um, you know, obviously it's 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 to evolve what that conversation is actually going to look like. But 
with, the, with those two things coming together, what what could we expect that to look like in Japan? Like, what would people do you think? Well, maybe, maybe individual individually, what would we like to see? But what but what do we think the the Japanese plebs? You know the, the the Bitcoin community as we know it out here. How could you see that kind of growing and then using its purchasing power um, going forward in in the hypothetical situation that we did see? You know, Bitcoin to succeed uh, to some extent in in, uh, in in increasing in purchasing power. Um, I don't know. Do, do you, one of you gentlemen just want to take that and give your thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, I'll answer it quickly. I, I guess you're not going to like my answer to this, but as I mean, I don't know. I don't have a strong fixed view on this, but kind of over time, the way I've started to see it more is um, I don't really feel the need for a place like Japan to like radically change politically or something like that. Um, Japan's a great place to live right now. I mean, there there are things that make it unstable. Like we t- we've talked a lot about the demographic age issue and uh, various demographic issues like age and then how that's going to bring in a wave of immigration. And then that's how things can change really quickly within a generation. Um, But in terms of like, Oh, like hopefully some Bitcoiners come in and like change, like start radically tearing apart the government agencies and changing things. And um, even though there are some trends that we point out of like, Oh, they're tracking us more, my number cards, these kinds of things. I mean, Japanese society, it's like really functional. It's really peaceful, generally, uh, really clean and orderly. And just like, I know that you talk a lot about how the quality has degraded over your time living there, Uh, uh, just like quality of uh, retail products and food and things like that. Um, But I guess relative to the world, it's still really high. So um Japan's one of the places where I don't think I'd want to see like radical change come about through Bitcoiners. I mean, like I could totally see them making it a lot worse, even if that if something like that were to happen. That's not necessarily true in other countries, like other countries where it's a total basket case or something. Then, sure, like what do you have to lose? It could be really cool to see some Bitcoiner come and like turn it around and become the the king of the <laughs> the the country or something like that. Like Bukele was a great example. Um, but I mean, does Japan exactly need a Bukele is, is a different question, right? Because Japan's not in the condition that El Salvador was in 10 years ago. Yeah, the interesting, yeah the interesting thing with Japan is it's combination of stability as mike highlighted in general livability with its checkered past because it has it it has in its soul (laughs) um the ability to be the most violent place on earth hence you know the you know you know the 1600s under the samurai and to mount spectacularly rapid change when it so wants to um Japan exists on this spectrum of time and place, which I think is unique to itself. So it would be hard. It's hard for me just looking at it, right? Like it's hard for me to envision what 
they come together in their secret backdoor Japan meeting, which they all seem to have, which I'm not invited to, and release, you know, into the what what firmware they release to be downloaded by all the Japanese people here. So I could, I, I mean, I could see it very much going either way with a a localized separation between the Osakas and the Tokyo, like this, this kind of drifting apart of those locales into a more pre-Meiji kind of era. And I could also see them, somebody getting in into power that just takes him and says, no, we're going to actually do the El Salvador kind of thing. So it's really, I mean, I actually, I have no firm stance on it just because it, 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 if you look at Japan historically, it's just got such wild swings when it when it decides to move, it just does what it's gonna do and they just they move in a very Japanese kind of way. So I wish I had more kind of definitive thoughts on it, but it, it, it from where I'm sitting, it, it's very hard to to have too strong of a stance on what the locals will do once this thing catches fire in a very public kind of way and or in a very meaningful, not a way, not in the tens of thousands price, but in the hundreds of thousands and the millions um, with it. The one thing that I do think is they will have to respond to it with the yen being what it is compared to the dollar. And then Bitcoin being a superior asset as, as soon as it becomes available to them, they will have some, kind of strong reaction. I just have no idea what that's going to be. Cool. Well, look, we're getting up to time here, I think, but I wanted to just get into one one more topic quickly. Maybe maybe we can we can close it off with this. Um, and so to a little bit of in, inside baseball, maybe for the listeners here, but, um, we have only ever had one, uh, female turn up to any of our, of our meetups, whether that be hit about or otherwise. And it was by um, accident, right? And it was by accident. <laughs> <laughs> the poor girl just signed up on bit, uh, on meetup.com cause she wanted to meet people. And when she arrived, you were like, well, are you, you know, are you a Bitcoin? And she says, no, she didn't even know what it was. I, Oh no, I don't think you're going to have a good time here. But but, but yeah, God she, bless her. She, she, stayed... she witnessed ahead, a few. Man. She witnessed just like a bunch of autistic debates <laughs> and conversations. <laughs> yeah, she definitely did not know what she was getting herself into. That was that was pretty funny, actually. She didn't. She. I mean, she's. God bless her. She stayed to the end. Um, she never came back, but she did stay to the end that day. Uh, one one of the members actually got out. I, I kid you not. This isn't a joke. Um, some dice and a bit. Uh, 39 paper and, uh, and 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 generated a seed phrase for her um so what you know whether she's whether she's using that whether she's stacking or not now i don't know but she's certainly left with the capability to um but but on that point um and and maybe again going back to to Hiraba and and how this is going to evolve going forward but do we need to get you know non-autistic bitcoin maxi male, males involved more in these meetups and then to what extent and again maybe this is going back to dilution and, and what have you but what 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 extent does gatekeeping need to be performed for example to keep shit coiners out or to keep bad actors out you know is is that you know once you open the door to be more inclusive quote unquote inclusive you know can can you even uh do that 
I don't know if 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 you gentlemen have any thoughts. I, I think Andy probably does. Um, so maybe I can hand it to you to you first, Andy, and, and maybe maybe just your thoughts on that, or how you see the, the sort of makeup of the participants going forward. I'm a misogynist of no women. That's where I am fully against any woman ever coming into any of these things. I wasn't there for this this travesty of the meeting where the woman came, but I would have kicked her out if I was there. Um, as for others, any male that is a shit coiner, you can be redeemed. Um, you can you can come in. And you can um, absolve yourself of your stupidity. Uh, we all get tricked sometimes. You're allowed in. I think it's necessary. They have a lot of weirdos in that scene that can come in and do strange things that kick the tires, which help make um, help make the protocol better. Uh, shit corners can learn to stop their nonsense, and uh, we'll all be better for it. So. The definitive statement from Andy is no women allowed ever and shit corners are okay because their strange obsessions with useless crap actually helps the protocol improve. But all shitcoin loyalties must be renounced at the beginning. Oh, well, that, yeah, well, that goes without saying. Yes, yes. So, I mean, what, what do you do, though, if... if um... If somebody is obviously insincere, right? It's like they and they're and 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 you know they're kind of promoting an agenda which is not which is which is which is maybe 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 it's scammy, you know maybe the, maybe you just know their ultimate target is to rip people off, or you just know that there's like like I, I guess we haven't really faced the. The, in the Tokyo Citadel, yeah, this situation where there's a toxic member or you know someone who you think would be better for the whole group if you if you got rid of them, um, maybe that's me and, and and you guys have had those conversations and I just don't know about it. But but um, you know I don't think we've had that yet. But when when that comes up, like what to what extent? Because because you know we're a bunch of like you know disagreeable sort of independent minded people and we, we we do kind of welcome a diversity i guess of thought and, and ideas um but you know to what extent i mean when you do when you do need to start gatekeeping, gatekeeping like how does how does that look is that even possible well in well, the way that it always has been handled by combat it will be settled by combat and that is um and uh, you know it's funny i say that but i mean like I, realistically it's uh, this is a problem for any group that has people come in and you have to deal with sincerity they came you know john first john uh, they came they were they they came out from us but they were not part of us i mean this is not unique to our to our thing here any group has scumbags that try and infiltrate it and they need to be dealt with by being removed in a very public and hopefully painful manner Hmm. yeah i mean there will be some insidious uh in any kind of group like this, there's going to be some insidious actors who come in like undercover and like, they'll be the, on paper, the best Bitcoin maximalist. They'll give you all the platitudes you want to hear, right? <laughs> but then like, it could be a fed or something. So, I well, mean, how, well, on that point, I, th- I think we might all be feds right now. I think it's the, the entire group is just consists of fed. <laughs> Cause we're yeah, all, we I, all say I all the right said things. that as part of my cover. well that's exactly what you would say and me too joking about it now so but yeah i mean yeah i guess the fed agent 
at least we'll be parroting the maxi lines, right? And so won't won't, won't be upsetting the apple cart too much. But it's it's more like the the Trojan horse shit coiner, I guess, that I'm concerned about, or even like the, or even something like more nefarious. I mean, seriously, on that point with the with the feds, if it, if you did have somebody coming in from the government, for example, who was like an agitator, right? Who wanted to who started talking about doing illegal things or tax evasion or things like that to try and like make the whole group look bad or give an excuse to the for the authorities to come down. Like that kind of thing might come up in the future, right? Uh, maybe well, not in Japan, but no, I think that that's a th- that's very much an issue. But I think that that's resolved by people in the group having balls, having brains, and when the guys like, you know, what we should do X Y Z illegal thing, and being like, no moron, pay your taxes and don't be a dick. Um, there's no reason to up, there's no reason to do any of the things that you just said. And if you do the, if if you try and bring that uh, upon us again, then you will be asked to leave. You know, this, mm-hmm. all of these things, because like I said, any group can be uh, infiltrated by morons. And the way you deal with morons is by calling them out and mm. having a substantial group or having at least one person in the group with the brains and the brass tacks to tell the guy to go screw. Mm. Oh, speaking of this, wasn't, um, wasn't there a recent ruling on that, like, uh, was it like the governor of Michigan, Whitmer? <laughs> the, uh, there was some Fed uh, entrapment scheme where they infiltrated this group, and then they got them to like commit to some kidnapping, like kidnap the governor of Michigan. But the group of thirty that a, was nineteen Feds, yeah, yeah, it was like mostly Feds, and then a few suckers, like poor suckers. But then they got acquitted, I think, because it it, it was just demonstrated like none of this would have happened at all if it weren't for the feds, like the feds just came in, proposed the crime, initiated the whole thing, encouraged everyone to everyone involved to do it. I don't even know how far along the, like the, the kidnapping got, was going to, uh, uh, got along, right? Like they, they didn't actually kidnap her. Right. But no. they were just like planning to, and then, but, but yeah, I, I think they all got acquitted. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think all of them got off because it was such a, a staged and retarded, um, ham-fisted attempt by the morons to get these three hapless retards to to pretend they were going to do something which they had no ability, interest, or capacity to do. Right. And then so, another thing on this subject is we had a meetup one time where wasn't it like um, there was a there was there were some new people who showed up and then one was kind of like a, a shitcoiner mainly mm. and. Um, but then there was another one who I think was a Bitcoin maxi and, but he like was promoting um, political things that people in the group didn't like. And I think people in the group were more uh, bothered by the second one, if I remember correctly, but it was a little, a little while ago. So oh, that's interesting. I, I don't know if I remember that, mm, but I guess that, I that goes to that earlier discussion of like at the end of the day, Bitcoiner as a shared identity, I think, is going to be insufficient. Uh, and the more successful Bitcoin becomes, I think, the more um, clear those differences, or, 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 or clearly those differences are going to manifest. And I think 100%. that's kind of why Bitcoin has become more tribal. Like there have been more intra-Bitcoin community disputes as Bitcoin has become more valuable. Because then it's just like, mm. oh, now it's more people who have fu money. Who just yes. like sit around and, and like 
bring out the things that they care about more at the end of the day because mm. they don't have to worry about like oh i need to like build up bitcoin until i get rich right i think oh that's a great point and I, and, and you know if, the, if this thesis plays out like we think we, it's going to that's just going to increase right <laughs> you, you can have all sorts of people with fuck you money so richard that's hart is the greatest among yeah. us i don't know what yeah about. <laughs> <laughs> so i think we've yeah we've done 90 minutes so probably i think that's a good uh, good way to 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 conclude the the japan series um thank you gentlemen i think that's been an interesting conversation look forward to getting into it more maybe a bit offline at the hirabai etc going forward and you know perhaps we can revisit this series uh sometime in, in 12 months or so absolutely cool thanks dash mike and me andy see you next time yeah Yo, I'm looking the skyline as I drive my skyline. I'm rocking baby name like Neo in a way. Tokyo drifting, what Nakimoto gifted. These dollars don't make sense, no longer on the fence. Bitcoin only homie, Michael Saylor told me, ain't no second best. It's my one and only fear taking L's. Bitcoin doing well. I'm in Tokyo at the Citadel. Wipe like red dot GTI DCA to BTC Stacking sacks is my nature Ay, Konnichiwa Wipe like red dot GTI DCA to BTC Stacking sacks is my nature TikTok, next block This is a major epoch My C phrase, I keep locked Don't worry about what we got What he got, what she got If it's Bitcoin, we good bruh If it's Bitcoin, we good bruh If it's Bitcoin, we good bruh Like, ay, got a thousand flows Ay Done a hundred shows hey. Check the proof of work yep. Yeah, man, it really shows hey. Citadel living V for V We keep on giving out You know what we're all about We orange, purple, kid out Increasing Bitcoin adoption So many plebs I've adopted TikTok, next block You know we ain't gonna stop it Increasing Bitcoin adoption So many plebs I've adopted TikTok, next block You know we ain't gonna stop it If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you can support the show and help us grow by listening on Fountain, a podcast app on iOS or Android. You can share your thoughts on this episode or simply say thanks by sending some sats with a comment called a boost. Getting started is easy. You can top up your Fountain wallet with a bank card or any Lightning wallet. You can earn sats by listening on Fountain and being an active member of the community. Visit Fountain.fm to learn more.